incoming transmission. Radio Rebellion. Hello and welcome to episode 15 of Radio Rebellion, a Star Wars podcast and our first live action show, I guess. Uh, this is brand new for me. Um, used to doing just the audio portion of the podcast, but we said, hey, what the hell, we're locked up in our house, let's try something new. So still figuring everything out using Zoom, which I know it's for a different purpose, but we're going to try it. At least I can plug in my iPhone, have some pictures up, so you don't have to look at my pretty face all day. So we'll see how this goes. And if you haven't figured it out yet, I am your host, Alberto Calderon, and it's not the same. Like Ahsoka, if she shows up in The Mandalorian, the voice doing the podcast, and your host today is the same person. So uh, we'll see. Uh, so for you guys that don't know, we do have our own YouTube channel with about 10 or 12 episodes so far. You can go and check them out. But this is the first full-on podcast show that's been live recorded. And if you're watching this on YouTube, we also have our podcast channel that you can listen through on Spotify. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and all your favorite podcast listening stations. Uh, so yeah, we're trying something new. Not sure if all the next shows are going to be like this, but we'll see. If I like it, if, especially if you guys like it, let me know. We can continue doing it this way. Um, I want to see how it goes because I want to, at some point, see if I can get together with some different Star Wars podcasters and also some listeners and viewers like you guys to see if we can get together and do a show that way. Um, so yeah, like I mentioned, still learning, so I expect a few issues maybe to pop up, but we'll deal with them as they come. Uh, like I mentioned at the beginning, we're still dealing with this pandemic, I guess. It doesn't matter which area of the country you live, which state, different country, if you're all the way in Europe, Asia, South America, Caribbean, for those Puerto Ricans listening today. Anyone, we're all going through this together. So. Like always, keep attention and follow what the, the guidelines that we get every day. It seems like every day we're learning something new. Uh, but yeah, we're all in this together. So stay safe as always. So um, I think that's it. So if you guys are ready, I'm ready to give this a shot and let's talk some Star Wars. Maybe, no. And we have our first glitch, don't worry. We'll We'll get on it. And for some reason, it doesn't want to share. And let's try this again. All right, that's not it. Here we go. Let's talk Star Wars, Star Wars news. So the news this week come from the Mid-Rim Report. These are, as always, new, new news reports that haven't been confirmed by Lucasfilm, but we do believe them to be true. So let's start with... And I have my notes here, so I'm going to be staring off to the side for a little bit. New writer for the Obi-Wan series. So reading from, the, from Star Wars News Net, according to Variety, Lucasfilm has tapped writer Joby Harrell to take over finishing the scripts for the untitled Kenobi series. Harrell takes over original writer Hussein Amini, who left the project in January. Uh, if you guys remember a few months ago, I think it was late January, early February, there were a lot of rumors going around, a lot of reports that the Kenobi series was in danger, it's going to be canceled, what's going on? 
that Ewan McGregor had to come out to say, no, 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 it's still going on. We're going to shoot it in January of 2021. We're just going to be polishing up the scripts. And I guess this kind of follows that report that they finally hired a writer to do, to do those touches on the script. So we'll see. Uh, Star Wars Newsnet also mentions that Joby Harrell has never written for a TV show, and his only writing credits are for the movies Awake, starring Anakin Skywalker himself, Hayden Christensen, and the most recent King Arthur movie, Legend of the Sword. Uh, Harold is also set to write Army of the Dead for Zack Snyder and a new Transformer reboot. So what do you guys think about this news? If I'm being completely honest, I didn't mind Awake. I thought it was an okay movie when I saw it. I know, 2002, 2003, I think, maybe a little bit after, might have come, uh, come on after Revenge of the Sith, somewhere in 2005, 2006, but I didn't mind it. I think it was an okay movie. And King Arthur, Legend of the Sword, same thing. You know what you were getting on board with that movie. It's not the best King Arthur movie. It's pretty, pretty wild. You gotta go with that mindset. That you're gonna see some things that are not from the Legend of King Arthur, but again, I enjoyed it pretty much. As uh, soon as you start watching it, you know you're going to be going on a weird kind of ride. So, again, I enjoyed them. So, who am I to say that he's not, that he shouldn't be hired for this project? And also, we never know. Maybe he's a lifelong Star Wars fan. Maybe he has this great idea for Obi Wan. And after reading the script, he has that magic that was needed to finish them up. So, I'm going to be positive for this. And there we go. It stopped sharing, so second glitch. Don't worry, you guys are still with me, right? Yeah, we're all together. Here we go, we're back. So yeah, um, Jody Harrell, I think it is, Jody Harrell. So yeah, I'm gonna give him a thumbs up. Hopefully he's a good addition to Star Wars and to the Obi-Wan project. So our second <clears throat> news comes from uh, making Star Wars, more the Mandalorian casting rumor. It seems like every week we have a new casting rumor for Mandalorian season two. So the newest rumor related to casting for the Mandalorian season two comes again from making Star Wars and Jason Ward. He's always, I don't know, he has something. Uh, keeping it consistent with last week's rumor that Michael Bean was joining the Mandalorian, the next 80s action star to join the cast none other than screen legend herself, Jamie Lee Curtis. Uh, there's no mention of what character she might play. Uh, if this is a one-off, is she going to be a series regular? There's no news, uh, as it seems to be with all the Mandalorian casting reports. Uh, we do have those kind of not rumors, but reports of more people joining the Mandalorian. So what are your thoughts on this? Is it too many guest, guest stars, a lot of recognizable faces, and then it's going to kind of take away a little bit when they show up. I know that was some of the critics against season one of The Mandalorian was when a lot of those faces that you would recognize would pop up, it would kind of take you out of it. And hopefully this doesn't become the new normal. I know for the sequel trilogy, all the people that wanted to come in at least, Usually they were in costume, so we didn't know who they were till after the movie comes out. But if we start seeing all these kind of recognizable faces in The Mandalorian just kind of pop up for a scene or two, I think it's going to start taking away from it. So we'll see. If Jamie Lee Curtis does show up, hopefully it's a, a good role for her. She's a great actress, so hopefully it's not just a one-off. 
I mean, just a quick shot and, hey, I'm here, I'm in Star Wars, and then kind of walk away. So hopefully it's a little bit bigger than that. Um, so yeah, that's basically the news. There's not a lot of news report. There's one big news that will leave our main topic, which is Star Wars reveals some new Jedi's for the High Republic. So we'll do, we'll do those at the end. But now we go to our Clone Wars review. So Clone Wars episode, sorry, Clone Wars season seven, episode seven, Dangerous Death. So after being imprisoned by the Pikes, um, sorry, after being imprisoned by the Pikes, and um, there we go, just leave it there. Uh, Ahsoka, Rafa, and Trace Martez find themselves in the planet Obadiah being tortured to reveal where the spices. So if you remember, in the last episode, Ahsoka and the Trace sisters took some spice that was supposed to be for the Pikes, and they dumped it halfway there because they didn't get along, they didn't know what they were going to do with it, but now the Pikes didn't like what happened, and they want the spice back. So, going to be honest, I know I have a, I've been a little bit critical about the last two episodes of the season, the last the first two episodes of this Ahsoka arc, but I'm turning it around. I'm turning it around on the arc. I'm turning around on the Martez sister. And this is what TV does, right? It's not a movie that you watch it once and you don't have time to start to meet the characters, learn more about the characters. And that's what this does. So I'm invested now in both of them. So I'm fully back on this season of the Clone Wars. I did enjoy this episode very much. It's one of my favorites so far of the season. Definitely of this arc, I and mean, it's probably top one or two of the season so far. Um, and I think it happened, it's Star Wars. So, and Clone Wars, I think we're used to now, as we get older with the sequel trilogy, The Mandalorian, we're always wanting more action, kind of move the canon, kind of what's, what's the next step to move the story forward. But I think we have to kind of take a step back think what we liked about the, the Clone Wars when they came out first and what they mean for a lot of people. It's not every episode doesn't have to be this big canon reveal or kind of building the universe. Each episode builds on each other and we know that with Bayfield only this is usually what happens. So you meet the Martez sister in the first episode. Some of us, at least myself, didn't connect too much to them but with the last two you start learning more about them. And then you start building on those characters and their relationships with Ahsoka and with each other and what they're going through. So yeah, it took a little bit, but I'm glad that I kind of stuck with it for this arc and now I'm ready to keep going. So let's see what else. Um, so we learn a little bit about the Marquesa sisters' hate for the Jedi. Uh, sorry, again, lost it. Here we go. And this is the only thing that I've kind of have a, a little bit of trouble with the episode. And after that, I kind of say, no, let's forget about it. The, I wrote it here because I get my words mixed up sometimes. In the first episode, it was a bit of a coincidence that Ahsoka crashed her bike on this platform that had a mechanic with needed help. And then her sister had a scheme. So it feel, felt like too convenient. And the reveal here, reveal in, on this episode of why the Martez sisters don't like Jedi was also a little bit convenient in terms of, oh, 
how convenient then a Jedi is the one, an ex-Jedi is the one helping them. But again, it's Star Wars. Uh, there's a lot of convenient things in The Rise of Skywalker uh, that I kind of go with. So I should do the same with the Clone Wars, so I'm good with them here. And also sometimes we might say, oh, the Martyr Sisters might be a little bit childish or whatever. Again, I've enjoyed Star Wars Resistance, which is one of the more kid-friendly shows that Star Wars has put up, put up. So if I can deal with that there, I should be able to deal with the Clone Wars, put that in the back of my mind and go, and I just enjoyed the episode for what it was. And I, there was a lot of cool things about this. And even as I'm saying that Star Wars and the Clone Wars always have some deeper meanings and deeper themes, uh, this arc in itself, just talking about slavery with the spice trade and the pikes, also the Martez sisters losing their parents and now kind of being orphans basically and having to do things themselves and just rely on themselves. Those are big things that you usually don't get on kids' show. So it's not, uh, it's not fair to just say, ah, give me action, give me Jedi. There's a lot of it. If you want to dip, dig deep, you can find those things in there. So let me see what else from this episode. Oh, of course. <clears throat> so not the big reveal. The big reveal was at the end, but you you learn now why the Marquez sisters are wary of Jedi. They explained that when they were younger, there was, was this gangster named Zero, which we know she's referring to Zero the Hutt, being escorted by a red-eyed alien. Who else but Cat Bane, right? So we have a little connection there, and the Jedi were chasing them, and as they tried to stop them, the speeder or the ship that Zero was escaping, crashing to a wall, they ran away and the Jedi couldn't, were distracted by the crash. And the crash happened next to the wall where the Marte sisters and, her pa and their parents were, which unfortunately they didn't survive. And then we, Rafa says that the Jedi came over, a beautiful green skin alien with dark robes, that if we look at the Jedi of the time, this is a either um, Luminara Unduli or Baris Offi, which if it's Baris, we know her connection to Ahsoka. Most likely it was um, Luminara Unduli. So if you start thinking about, and if you want your canon connection there, there you go. You just gotta think about it a little bit and you can make those connections yourself. And she mentions that the Jedi went over and said, I had to make a choice, but don't worry, the Force will be with you. It sounds a lot like the Star Wars versions of Thoughts and Prayers. Really don't do that much in situations like this. So I understand how and why um, Rafa and Trace don't trust the Jedi. I did like the torture droid that they have. It's kind of all bended. So you know he's seen some stuff and probably has done some stuff also. Um, sorry, because I'm losing my connection. Okay, here we go. Um, what else? The planet Obadiah, I did like the look of the planet. It's kind of run down a little bit, but the lighting effects, all the towers, it's a pretty cool planet. Um, and I can't believe I'm saying this, but Rafa Martez is starting to grow on me. I wasn't too on board with her in the first two episodes, but she's learning herself. Um, her relationship and her back and forth with Ahsoka is getting better. I did like the couple of times that she said, yeah, no, I will help you. Oh, no, we'll leave her behind. We're not coming back for her. 
I think that was delivered pretty well. Also, when her and Ahsoka are having a discussion and Rafa kind of asks her, hey, how did you do that? How did you jump over that gap? Oh, I'm more athletic than I know. I mean, I'm more athletic than I look. And Rafa is like, yeah, that doesn't make sense. The way Ahsoka calls her that, well, there's no time for this. It was very Star Wars-like, very Star Wars-y, and for some reason reminded me of something Han Solo might say. So yeah, I'm on board with the Martez sisters, Trata, Trace, and Rafa. But at the end of the episode, they end up the same place where they started, locked up. So let's see what happens in the final episode of the arc. But we can't talk about episode seven without talking about the Mandalorians and who, but Bo-Katan herself, voiced by Katie Sackoff, make her return. And again, it might be because of the Mandalorian that we just watched, but this is where the episode two got turned from a good episode to great. And the person on her right, which here on the screen is my left, was when you look at the credits, it was Orsa Wren, which we know as Sabine Wren's mom. But if you heard her voice and you listened to her voice, I guess you might have gotten the same reaction that I did, that her voice was very similar to the armorer. So yes, let's talk about this a little bit. So we have the reports that Ahsoka will show up in season two of The Mandalorian. And then we have Ahsoka and Sabine are pretty well connected. Last time we saw them in Rebels, they were together going to find, um, hopefully, Ezra in the unknown regions. So if we start putting things together in our own head canon, if we want to start speculating responsibly, as they say in Ford Center, or like I say, hypothesizing in hyperspace. If Ahsoka shows up, there's a good probability that Sabine might show up, or at least a mention of her. And then we know that the dog saber is in play, in place, in play. The last person before Moff Gideon that we know had the dark saber was Bo-Katan alongside Orsa Wren. So there's another connection to, to make right there. And who better to help Ahsoka either find Sabine or get the dark saber than the armorer played by Sabine Wren's mom, Orsa Wren. Ah, yes, a lot of strings, a lot of threads. I was in my hotel, in a, in a motel, room you can see all the red threads connected oh vader no uh, all right sorry vader maybe okay i won't make those connections i guess vader didn't like them uh quick programming note i guess this is my bedroom my home office is currently taken over by my daughter who made it her bedroom and then her bedroom became the guest bedroom and my in-laws are staying here so they're using it so i'm having to record from my bedroom, I'm putting Vader and a, it's not Cody, but I'd like to call him Cody, kind of behind me. Uh, so yeah, I lost my train of thought a little bit, but basically it was a pretty good episode of Clone Wars Season 7. Again, my first or second favorite of the season so far. Can't wait for the next one on Friday. Um, I don't have the title for that one here. Let me look at my notes real quick. Microphone stop moving. Yeah, I'm sorry if you hear paper rustling. Those are my notes. I do like to take a lot of notes, so that's why I keep looking to the side. Uh, so no, I don't have the name of next week's episode, but that's fine. 
Uh, but yeah, pretty cool, good episode, a uh, good continuation of the current arc, and it elevated a little bit more. And again, if you're having issues with this season or with this arc, remember what the Clone Wars was all about. All those great episodes, there. again, none of this is going to be filler. Everything starts matching up together, so just keep at it. Then the reveal at the end with Bo-Katan, Orsa Ren, and hopefully her being the armorer and then having a connection to season two. And then if that's the case, ah, I lost my connection again. With the, ah, uh, what happened? I gotta do something here, sorry. Gotta stop the share. I'm gonna share the screen again, don't worry. So like I mentioned before, the Stranger at the end of season seven, season seven, season one, episode five of The Mandalorian. I hope it's Cat Bane, most likely not, but we can hope, right? Well, not yet. So if we have all these connections in this episode, there's a mention of red-eyed alien, hopefully Cat Bane, so we'll see. One thing that I noticed in this episode, I'm starting to think, hmm, and maybe stormtroopers are not a, not as bad a shot as everyone else says. And I think blasters are just bad at aiming because the the pikes had a lot of open shots against Ahsoka and the Marquez, and they didn't hit a single one. I think blasters are not as good, and stormtroopers are getting a bad rap. Uh, so yeah, so that was Clone Wars episode seven. Um, and now let's move to our main topic. I was the High Republic. So yes, StarWars.com in a special reveal pulled back the curtain on some of the Jedi we'll get to meet during the High Republic. This was the first in an exclusive series, so we'll be on the lookout for more reveals and hopefully we'll get to learn a little bit more about the Nile and some of the other characters that inhabit this new era of Star Wars. Um, about a month or so ago, we were the reveal of the High Republic, oh, I'm going too fast, which we previously knew as Project Luminous. It got revealed as the High Republic, the new era of Star Wars storytelling 200 years before uh, The Phantom Menace. And we're starting to, we learn a little bit about the books that were coming out, that first run of books, and a little bit about the characters. But a few days ago, uh, StarWars.com revealed some new characters and some new Jedi. Um, so yeah, we got a bit of information about a few characters, but now we're gonna fully introduce to five of the main Jedi. Let me read that again. I'm sorry, guys. It's my first time. <laughs> Don't. Oh, fine. Um, so now we're fully introduced to five of the main Jedi we will be following. First up, we have Avar Chris. Avar has been front and center in the marketing of the High Republic, as she seems to be the main character in the Light of Jedi novel by Charles Soule. Here we learn that she is the brightest, most noble example of Jedihood. She always tries to see the good in people and situations, and never puts herself first. She is compassionate, not dogmatic, and always ready to sacrifice herself over others. Avar Chris is the best of the best. Obi-Wan, right? She's Obi-Wan. At least for me, Obi-Wan was that type of Jedi. So I think she's going to be kind of that type of character during the High Republic. Uh, there's a lot of her kind of saying that she's 
noble, the brightest, is the best in people. So I think she, her beliefs are going to be tested. Her beliefs in the force are going to be tested. Uh, so we'll see what happens. Um, about Chris, apart from being kind of front and center here, she is also possibly seen in the Rise of Kylo Ren comic series, comic book series, when Luke, Lord Santek, and Kylo go to the Jedi Temple from the High Republic and they find a holocron. I believe it's her that pops up. So yeah, about Chris might be our main character in the light story in the High Republic. Then we go to Loden Greatstorm. Probably the greatest name ever, Loden Greatstorm, a Twi'lek Jedi Master, considered to be one of the best teachers in the Jedi Order. Strong and wise with a good sense of humor, Loden looks at every moment as a learning experience, always trying to better himself and those around him, especially his other ones. Um, probably he's a great student of the Force, spending most of his time studying the archives over at the Jedi Temple, even his clothes, his robe are kind of regal. Um, Avoid Chris is a little bit more flowing, so she kind of looks like she can be out there um, going into battle and different missions. Northern seems more kind of set for the for the archives of the Jedi Temple, but we'll see. Um, Northern, if you look at the cover of the Light of the Jedi book, you can also see. Avar, Loden, and Stellan Geos, who we'll be talking about in a few minutes. Um, let me see what else. Then we have a new Jedi is introduced that we didn't kind of see in the first High Republic introduction, and her name is Keith Trennis, a young firebrand Jedi believed to have a great future ahead of her, if only she would believe it herself. Quick-witted and more impulsive than she should be, Eve has only been a Jedi Knight for a few weeks and is a little starstruck around Avar. She is determined to prove herself to Avar and the other legendary Jedi stationed on Starlight Beacon. Uh, so yeah, like I mentioned, this is the first time seeing Keith. Uh, she still has her Padawan braid, half her hair is shaved off, and of course she is holding that green double-sided lightsaber. Um, seems more suited for battle than Loden. She kind of has is rocking that leather outfit, that leather attire, so she's ready to go to battle. Uh, there's a quick mention of Starlight Beacon, which we know is going to be um, part of where kind of this story takes place after the great accident or the great cataclysm. I can't remember the exact name that kind of propels the High Republic into action, but I know they mention a lot of the Jedi where wearing this Starlight Beacon. And since she's awestruck from Avar, maybe she's also part of Light of the Jedi. So the first Jedi we're introduced to is Stellan Geos. Stellan is an optimistic and well-respected Jedi master. Stellan came up through the order with Avar Chris, and although they are of, often on different assignment, assignments for the Jedi of the Republic, when the two work together, they are a powerhouse team of two noble heroes in action. Strong in the Force and natural teacher, Stellan is currently stationed at one of the Jedi Temple outposts on the distant planet of Karagon Viner. So I think that point kind of got lost in, guess, on all the emo excitement of meeting all these new Jedi is that a new planet was also introduced, Karagon Viner. So we'll see if this is out in, has to be close to the 
what used to be the unknown region. So I guess the outer rim. So we'll see. We'll learn a little bit more about this planet. I'm really interested and excited to see two powerful Jedi working together in Stellan and Avar. We really haven't seen that since Qui-Gon Jinn and Obi-Wan in the Phantom Menace. Uh, we got a little bit of it with Obi-Wan and Anakin in Attack of the Clones, but Anakin was still kind of learning himself, so you didn't get that too much. And in <clears throat> Revenge of the Sith, of course, they only kind of worked together in that first mission, rescuing Chance the Chancellor, and afterward they're just fighting each other, basically, so they really didn't get to work together. And of course, we didn't get this in the original trilogy or in the sequel trilogy, having two experienced Jedi going on missions. And you can argue that we did see this in the Clone Wars animated series with Obi-Wan and Anakin. But again, those were still master and apprentice, basically. So seeing two Jedi masters going on missions, it's going to be pretty exciting. Um, also, Stellan, like I mentioned, he's in the Light of the Jedi cover. So we know he's going to be in that book, that Charles Soul book. And of course, he's rocking that cross guard lightsaber. Uh, so this is brand new. We've seen the cross guard with Kylo Ren, obviously. Here, Stellan's cross guard doesn't serve the same purpose as the, <clears throat> the cross guard isn't there to kind of... There's no blade or no... Yeah, there's no blade coming out of the cross guard as with Kylo, which has the excess energy kind of going out of it. So I don't know why the purpose of the cross guard in this lightsaber is, but we'll find out. And I had forgotten about it. I kind of saw it online a couple of days ago that one of the Rebels episode, episodes, when they go to Malakor, um, they do find a bunch of lightsabers. There was a great battle there. And one of them that Ezra Fine is a cross guard very similar to this. So maybe the all these Jedi do go to Menacor and something happens over there. Um, oh, one thing I didn't mention about Loden Greystorm, his lightsaber seems to be kind of yellow, yellowish white, which resembles the Jedi Temple Guard. So again, another reason for him to kind of stay on the temple. And finally, we get Vernestra Burn Row. Already a fan favorite online. Vern is a newly minted, newly minted Jedi Knight who was Padawan to Stellan, G G Stellan Geos. She works hard and is devoted to the Jedi Order more, more so than most others her age. At 16, she's one of the youngest knights in a generation. She struggles to fit in with the adults while also setting an example for the younger Jedi. Uh, we will meet Vernestra and Justina, uh, Justina Ireland's A Test of Courage. Oof, so yeah, that's great news. Very exciting to see all these Jedi kind of finally being introduced. There's, uh, of course, the Wookiee Jedi that we learned a little bit from um, Kayvon Scott, I think, or Charles Souls, I don't remember, uh, kind of Twitter post. So we'll see. Uh, so yeah, stay tuned to StarWars.com for more of the High Republic updates. So that does it for our topics, and now let's move to Ask the Rebellion. And today we get a question from friends of the show, Dave and Lee from at Pizza and Parsecs. They ask, you're stuck on a deserted island for a year. There's no way out of it. What drug do you choose to join you for friendship and entertainment? 
assume you can talk to and understand them all. All right, so let's start first marking off who we don't want to spend a year on a deserted island, and the answer is easy, C-3PO. Can you imagine being on a deserted island with 3PO spouting off um, numbers and predictions and, oh, you know how many ways you can die, oh, the high tide is going to get you, oh, blah, blah, blah. No, not 3 After 15 minutes, you'll be swimming to the next deserted island. Um, K2, K2SO might be a good choice. You have someone to talk to. Uh, it's easy to understand. It's funny. It's sarcastic. But maybe after two or three days, you start getting into in each other's nerves. So not probably not K2. Um, BB-8, maybe. Uh, he can roll around the island pretty quickly, see if there's anything on the other side, get you some food. Well, again, no arms, so he can help you fish or anything or get some, I don't know, maybe there's wild animals in the islands. PBA won't be able to help you too much. I don't know how sand is going to do in all those joints. So not Sim. Dio, he's scared of everything. So not Dio. Um, all three is going to be complaining even worse than I'm going to be. So I think I go back to what my original choice was going to be, which is R2D2, that trusty R2. He has all those holograms stored in him. So he can tell you stories. He can pop up a movie whenever you want to. Uh, there's no stars up in the sky. You can just ask him to pull out the, the map to to look Skywalker, and you just have that star map up there. So, oh, he has jetpacks. So you don't even need to spend a, a year there. Just here to turn on the jetpacks, jump up on his back, and let's fly. Let's get out of here. So, yeah, I'll choose my choice for a droid to spend, hopefully, 50 minutes to an hour, and then we know, hey, we can just get back. Let's get out of here. So, yes, thanks to Dave and Liv. Give him a quick follow on at Pizza and Parsecs. Uh, great friends of the show and very supportive. Uh, so, that does it for today. Uh, keep an eye out for that YouTube video to come out in a day or so. There might be some issues at the end with the audio, but again, it's the first time, so we'll get through it. Remember to follow us on Twitter at Radio Rebel Pod. And if you have a question for us, always hashtag Ask the Rebellion. And YouTube, Radio Rebellion, a Star Wars podcast short. And that's it. So thank you, Star Wars family. Stay safe, be safe, and may the force be with you. Radio Rebellion.